Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Mike McAvoy. I get the chance to work with our college students here. I love what I get to do. But one of the things you may not know about me is that I am actually a construction management major uh, graduate here from the University of Washington. And so I got really excited when they asked me if I would preach as a part of the Builder series here. I thought they want my expertise. And then I remembered it's been 13 years since I graduated and I've done nothing with that degree. Got right into college ministry right after graduation. I thought, oh, I better brush up on this. They gotta know, they gotta think I know what I'm talking about here. Um, but I am excited. I'm excited to, to finish out our series on building before we uh, start a new series next uh, week as part of our vision launch here. I was also excited I was not asked to preach next week on Daylight Savings Day and having to get up an hour earlier. Um, but as we continue on and close out this series today, I'm, I'm excited for those of you just joining us. Uh, this series that we've been calling Builder has been taking us through the life of Jeremiah Okay, and the call on his life to build. And today, as we close out the series, we're going to pivot on this idea of building okay, and move from the life of Jeremiah into the words that Jesus speaks in the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, Jesus is picking up this building metaphor right where Jeremiah is leaving off. And so we're going to jump right into our text this morning. Uh, if you are able, please stand and, and join me in the reading of, of the text. It comes from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. It can be found on page 788 of the Pew Bible in front of you. And this text comes after three chapters of Jesus preaching uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And so uh, we pick up at the end of this sermon, uh, chapter 7, verse 24, if you'd read with me. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was its fall. The word of the Lord. Oh, we'll stop there. Uh, you can go ahead and take a seat. Well, this fall was a pretty exciting time uh, for my wife and I. Not only did I get to start my second year here as the college director, uh, but also in September, we moved in to a brand new home uh, in the Bryant neighborhood, not too far away from here, uh, that we had spent the last two years building. And we were really excited. Uh, we love being in the new space. We're incredibly grateful uh, to live close enough to uh, my job here as well as her job at Seattle Children's Hospital. And, and I love being in a new house. But I got to admit, I did not think that when we decided to build a house that it would take two years to build. It's a lot longer than I expected. And, and I loved our builder, did a great job. But just so many things came up with a project that were unexpected. So many delays, getting permitting, uh, and things that would show up during the building process. One of the things uh, that showed up is when we were uh, looking at, at digging the foundation uh, down a ways so that we could put a basement in, 
Uh, the inspectors from the city came and said that if we were going to do this, we were going to have to install a large retaining wall, a soldier pile wall, between our lot and the house next door so that their house did not collapse into our lot during construction. Now that made sense. I did not want their house to collapse. Uh, but this was a much more expensive wall that they suggested, not just suggested, told us that we needed to build. Uh, than I was hoping for. It was a lot of steel that was down deep and it was a very, very strong wall, but it cost a lot of money and it was not part of our bid. And so we thought, is there anything else we can do? We talked with our builder. Could we just put up a bunch of cinder blocks to hold back the dirt? Could we throw some plywood up uh, against it and maybe just put some braces up? Or maybe we should not dig down. Our foundation is deep so that we won't need to have this extra expense of this wall. But in the end, what both the city told us and what our builder told us is that if we did not do this, if we did not spend the money and take the time to install this wall, that the chance of a major catastrophe happening during the building process was inevitable. And so we spent the money and we took the extra time. And, I, you know, sitting here at the end of the project, I'm pretty happy that we did. But it doesn't mean that I enjoyed that during the process. Uh, because you may not know this about me, I do not actually like spending extra money, and I do not like things that take a long time. I like things that cost less money and that take less time to do. So when we look at this text and we look at the story that Jesus is telling us about these two guys, it's easy to look at it and say, why on earth would anyone build their house on the sand? That's just silly. This story makes no sense. Nobody would choose to build their house on the sand until it becomes personal. Until it becomes you building and you get there and realize that we have two options in front of us. Why don't you put yourself in this situation? We show up over here. We got this big sandy area here. We got this rocky area. Which one do you want to build on? Now, you could choose the rock. That's great, but it's going to take a little more time. It means you're going to have to drill into it. You're going to have to attach the foundation to this. It is going to cost you more money. It is going to take you more time. Or over here, we got this, this sand. This, this isn't going to take any extra time. We could actually start pouring these footings and, and put this foundation in right away. And it won't cost any extra money. How long of a project do you want? Do you want a home in six months or do you want a home in nine months? Do you want to spend the extra time and the extra money? It's two totally different approaches to building. And it's also two totally different approaches to life. So I want to dig into this text a little more and look at some of the similarities that these two guys have, but also a key difference in what Jesus is saying Okay, the first comparison between these two, two guys is that they both had the same dream for their life. They both wanted to build a life. They wanted a life of purpose. They wanted a, a full life, one that people would look at and say, that's a successful life. It's the kind of life that we all want. Nobody wants a failed life. Okay, these guys both wanted to build a life that mattered. The second thing that's a similarity between these two is they both were listening to the words of Jesus. 
Okay, they both were in church. They both were reading the Bible. Jesus, when he, when he says this, these are both people that just heard this, this sermon, one of the greatest sermons ever preached. They both were listening to the words of Jesus, exposing themselves to his truth. And the third thing that these two have in common is that they both experience the same storm. Okay, storms in the Bible mean hard times, troubles, trials in our life. And both of these men are in the middle of a major storm that they're facing. I wish I could tell us that following Jesus, that listening to his words meant that storms weren't coming in our life. But that's not the truth. Jesus says, you will face troubles. In fact, he tells his disciples in John 16, before he leaves them, he says, in this world, you will face troubles. You will face trials of many kinds. And so we see that they have these three things in common. They want to build a life. They're listening to Jesus and the storm's coming for them. But there's one key difference between them. The first one is called a wise man. And the second one is called a fool. In the Bible, wisdom is your ability to apply spiritual truths to life's decisions. Being a fool has nothing to do with how much education you have, how many degrees you have, or how many letters come after your name when you send out an email. Okay, being a fool is the inability or the refusal to apply biblical truths to life's decisions. And so wisdom goes beyond knowledge. It's about the application of the knowledge in our life. Evidently, what we learn from this is that we can be in church. We can sit in the pews, we can sit in the front row of the pews, and we can still be a fool. The problem for some of us is that the Bible may be a place that we come for information, but it is becoming less and less somewhere we come that leads us into action. And as a result, we are at risk of being fools. Now, in university ministries, we love our new offices across the street. We love the Palmer House. We are very excited to be there. It has been a blessing the last couple months uh, in this new space. And anytime you stop by during the week, you'll see dozens and dozens of college students just filling that space. Our main level coffee shop is, is, is flooded with students already finding home. Uh, in fact, even last night, there was a, a student gathering a party there. I was not there because I thought I'd better go to bed early, but uh, students are hanging out there late on a Saturday night, uh, which is so cool. And what happens sometimes during the week is there will be a bunch of students uh, downstairs hanging out and upstairs we have our offices. Uh, sometimes we'll be working into the evening. And the funny thing is while we're upstairs working, all of a sudden the lights turn off. Okay, and that's because the lights are on motion sensors. And I think this is a fantastic piece of technology that saves us all electricity. But I will say it, it, it makes for some awkward moments when you and coworkers are sitting there on the computer doing work and all of a sudden the lights turn off and everyone starts waving their arms. <laughs> and you've seen this, you've been in an office where everyone's waving their arms, you know, and you're trying to 
give the attention, where am I? I gotta catch the sensor, and all of a sudden somebody catches the sensor, the light turns back on, and, and you see uh, your coworkers around you that are also waving their arms in some weird pattern. See, when the lights go out, they don't turn back on if they don't see our movement. It doesn't mean they can't turn on. Okay, it doesn't mean the power isn't there. The electricity is in there to change the room from dark to light. But when it turns off, it doesn't matter how much I sit there and hope that the light will turn on. It doesn't turn on until the sensor senses movement. You know, I think about our church. I think God has something great for us. I think he wants us to continue to experience his power in a bigger way in our lives. I think there is an invitation in this text for us to participate in his kingdom happening here in this city. <coughs> Excuse me. And I believe we'll see some incredible things happen in this world around us, in this city around us, when we don't just come to church here on Sunday and hear the words, but when we live them out on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday out in the world around us. Sometimes like these motion detecting lights, his power, God's power is not always seen by others until there's some movement, some motion, some action in our lives. The word is true. The power is there. But sometimes it may not be seen in the world around us until there's some movement by us. And we see this in the Bible time and time again. God inviting others to trust and participate in what he's doing. He says, Moses, stick out your rod. And as you do, I will separate the Jordan. He says, man with shriveled hand, st stretch out your hand. And as you do, I've, I've healed you. Peter, step out of the boat and as you do, I will give you the ability. I'm giving you the ability to walk on water. The wise man puts into action the words of Jesus, while the fool does not. What does it mean for us to act on the word of God? What does it mean for us as a church to act on these words of God? You know, one of the things I find very interesting about this story is that it did not become apparent who the wise and foolish people were until the storm came. And I got to imagine at the time of the building that some people looked at these two men building and wondered which of them was wise and which of them was a fool. God, imagine some people saw this person over here building on the rock and, and said, what are you doing? This is, this is taking you way longer than it should. This is costing you way more money. Look at this, look at Sam guy over here. He's almost done. But when the storm came, it revealed what they had in terms of their foundation. Storms reveal what kind of foundation that we're built on, they reveal what is already there. 
Following Jesus does not mean that we will not face storms in our life. It means that we act on God's truth as the foundation of our lives so that when the storms come, they affect us differently. It means when the storm comes, we can take a beating up here. I, I don't know, that's kind of the wind beating. I don't, that's, I don't know, maybe wind. And, and uh, we can take a beating up here on the house when down here our foundation is strong. You know, if you know a little bit more about my life, uh, you know, Rachel and I have been married almost eight years. Uh, last fall, we, we faced a, a storm in our life. That was a bigger storm than we, we thought we would face. It felt like a hurricane in our life. You know, we, uh, last fall, we got pregnant with our very first child. We're very excited about it. Uh, nine weeks into the pregnancy, we lost our baby. And to be honest, I did not think that that would affect me in the way that it did. I thought, this is somebody I have never met in my life. They, I have not you know, seen them. Yet I felt very attached to somebody in my life that we said goodbye to. I think for a lot of us, we've experienced loss in our life. The loss of a family member, the loss of a friend, loss of a job, loss of an opportunity that we loved. You know, that, that will probably be a scar that will always be with me. But last December was a really difficult month. December was a month that I felt in the middle of a hurricane. I mean, this was a storm that was swirling around us and we couldn't see, we couldn't act. We didn't know what we were doing, where we were going. We were struggling with the loss, feeling like we were never going to get out of this storm. You know, and I'm not gonna sit here and act like we have everything together or we live our lives perfectly or have this perfect faith or never question God. But I will say that during this time, and there were some people that asked questions of, does this make you question the goodness of God in life? For us, we said, you know what? It doesn't. It doesn't shake the foundation that we have. It's a tough season. It's a tough storm that we're in. But, you know, we've been putting our trust in Jesus for a long time. We've been doing our best to allow him to lead in our life, trust him and put our weight down on him. And act. And so when this storm is coming around us, it's not breaking us. When the storm came up here, there was strength in our life because we were strong down here. The foundation was strong. You know, people outside of these walls don't show up in a church building, probably are not opening this book up very often. The truth is, is, is that in the world around us, they're not opening up this book. And, and a lot of people out there will only be able to tell what is in this book by the way that you and me live our lives. 
They will know the character of Jesus by how we choose to live. In fact, Jesus says they will know. He says they'll know that you're my disciples by the love that you have for each other. Until we love each other greater than the rest of the world, until we love our neighbor, and I'm not just talking about the easy neighbor to love that is just like us and bakes us cookies and brings them over to the house. I'm talking about the hard neighbor to love, the one that doesn't look like us or sound like us or have the same values as us. Until we love them, we don't look a lot different than the rest of the world. doesn't mean God's power can't work around us, but sometimes... It stays, sometimes Jesus' words stay in here until they're lived out in our lives. If we want our church to be a, a, a place that, that, that brings joy to this city, that pours out joy, that pours out peace, that pours out love to the neighborhoods around us, it means living out what we know about Jesus. And his words, we can have perfect church attendance. We can memorize the whole Bible. But if we don't act on what we know, if we don't live it out, we are fools. But every time, every time we choose to trust God in a decision in our life, our foundation grows. Every time we are obedient to God, our foundation grows grows. Every time we go, I know that God is, 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 is leading me to, to give, give away money, but it's hard because I don't know if I'll have enough, but we choose to do it and to trust him and he takes care of us. Our foundation grows. And every time there's an opportunity in front of us, it looks like a good opportunity, but, but it's, not a, it's not a moral opportunity. And then we turn it down and it's a hard one for us. And people around us out in the world go, why would you turn that down? Who cares what the right thing to do is? Do the thing that, that helps you out. It doesn't matter who you hurt. But you say, no, I'm going to do the right thing. Our foundation grows. When we love our enemy, even when we don't want to. When we engage in reconciliation with a brother or sister, even though it's hard or awkward. When we rejoice in the middle of persecution instead of running from it, when we allow our light to be seen by others, when we turn away from lust, when we keep our oaths, when we don't seek revenge, when we give to the needy and don't want any credit for it, when we store up treasures in heaven rather than on earth, when we choose not to worry but to trust, and all these other words that are found in Jesus, our foundation grows as our faith in him grows. We're not just hearing these words, but we're living them out and our foundation is being built brick by brick by brick. I don't know about you, but that's the type of life I want to build. One that is not as easy one that takes a little longer, one that might cost a little bit more. Because one day, my friends, one day that storm is coming in life. And when it does, it is going to reveal what is underneath. And if we work on the foundation of our life now, 
well, then we can face all the storms in the world up here and still stay strong with a foundation rooted in Jesus down here. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, God, I thank you for these words you give us. God, I thank you that when you give this incredible sermon, that you wrap it up by saying, don't just, don't just sit and listen to it. Go out and put these words of mine into practice. God, we know that, that what we do does not earn us salvation, does not earn us being good enough in your eyes, Lord. But would you help us accept this invitation to participate in your kingdom work in our life? Right here, inside and outside of these walls. We love you, Jesus. We pray all this in your name. Amen.